Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast where we review industry highlights about the programmatic uh, industry or the ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host, the founder and um, the founder and chief programmatic sense of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's podcast is going to be slightly different. It is a solo episode of myself. I will be sharing a couple things. So if you're listening to this on audio, worry not, you can access the video on YouTube. Um, if not, if you are tuning in on YouTube, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to follow us. So in the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to talk about uh, the programmatic IO conference that happened in New York. Um, to give you the exact date, it was October 25th to October 26, uh, 2021, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. So I want to give a big thank you to the Ad Exchanger for hosting us, for organizing us, and making sure that the conversation and discussion were diverse in terms of topic, in terms of background of, of guests. Um, so I was pretty satisfied to return into uh, an industry event after like two years being at home, two years and a half. So shout out to Ad Exchanger, you're the GOAT. The next event will be in Vegas in May and um, looking into attending. Uh, May happens to be birthday month, in between birthday month and my family. So it's booked to capacity and my family comes first, no offense. So We'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make it, but you'll be the first to know uh, once if I make it or if, once I make the decision. So um, <clears throat> what to expect during this podcast? Again, this is a solo episode. Hey, you'll get to join um, me and venture through some tweet conversation I've had uh, <laughs> during that time and uh, during the programmatic IO. I mean, um, it was it was a lot of fun. Let me just say this. Uh, we, we've made some great connection. Um, before we dive into today's content, I want to highlight the importance of attending an industry conference, an industry workshop, uh, training and development outside of work or outside of your, your home or outside of uh, <clears throat> just your day-to-day -day team. It is really important to set yourself in an environment of success, in a community that is like-minded and that also holds you accountable in terms of always challenging you with new ideas. I mean, our industry is great for challenging us with your ideas. So um, I, I would advise, I would recommend that you find a local I don't know, AMA chapter or a local programmatic networking event so that you get to attend and get to talk to other professionals in the industry, understanding what their struggles are. Even if we understand industry-wise, we know what's going on and the challenges on a day-to-day -day basis, on an agency-to-agency -agency basis. We're going through different type of challenges and being able to share with your fellow uh, programmatic ninjas or your fellow marketers is also this growth into joining a community, a like-minded community. So I would recommend for you to check out anything in your um, in your area, or if you're able to have your agency or your company uh, pay for it, 
do it, do it. It is totally worth it um, for on, on many level. If your manager listening to this, please advocate for your team. Make sure you send them. Yes, you may not send every single one, but make sure you send a couple of your team to help them come back and tell you about, about uh, the conferences and then rotate them. And also, I want to tell my managers out there that even though a conference is a great source or opportunity for business development, um, it is very important to remember to send a programmatic media trader, a media buyer, an ad ops, an analyst, somebody that may not be client facing to those conferences because let's be honest, those people are the ones that are actually going to implement a lot and execute a lot when it comes to campaign performance. I'm not discrediting anybody else in the department, but don't forget about our ad ops and programmatic media teams. Um, those are really important to know. Don't only sales, uh, send, your, send your sales or your execs to conferences, please. Uh, with that being said, let's get into today's conversation. Um, I think if anyone listened to this podcast and um, and uh, had to recap <clears throat> had to recap uh, the conversation on the one, it would most likely be those two quotes. So let me find them for you. And again, if you're on audio, I will make sure to read it out loud. So here it is. Okay. So ad tech isn't dead programmatic is eating the world. That is maybe the quote that won um, the whole conference, period, point blank. Ari Paparo from Beeswax um, said that, and in his, um, in his presentation, he highlighted a lot about collaboration between supply and, and demand side. And of course, um, on the on the particular slide that I'm sharing, I took a picture of the slides, and it basically said there are the key key takeaways from the presentation. So, ad tech isn't dead. Programmatic is eating the world. Identity will fundamentally change the way we do business. And then the last point of the key takeaways that he had on the slides is as so: this is a watershed moment for programmatic, like no. Other Ari's uh, was super funny. He brought so much energy. If you had a chance to interview him or uh, see him on webinars, I strongly recommend. He just has that charisma, and he just pulls you into into his content. So that was really fun to watch. Um, so that's one of the, the the quote I think won the conference. Another one that maybe takes second place is from Rachel Mervis. Uh, from PWC and oh Kimberly Clark, sorry. And she said as she was talking and and networking, which is the beauty of attending those conferences, somebody told her that per, uh, marketing is a skyscraper and programmatic is is circuitry. So I thought that was probably the second best quote of it all. Like it was, it just, if we had to stop the conference, I would have been satisfied with those two. Um, obviously one happened on the first day and the second one, Ari Papara was on the second day. Um, so that was kind of fun. So three things we want to maybe take away from the conference is the identity solution com conversation, obviously. 
Um, we all know that first party and third party cookie deprecation topics was going to be hot. So that was expected. So identity solution was probably about six, maybe 40% of the conversation. CTV was also really, really big. And we'll get into a little bit more details about what our peers are saying about the, the topics. But CTV was really, really great. Um, was great in terms of like the amount of presentation that was uh, offered and maybe another 30%. And then um, lastly, I would say there were uh, a few, not random, but great conversation around contextual targeting, which I guess could be grouped into the identity solution conversation. Contextual targeting was really hot. Um, I believe that uh, the keywords that won the conference, or I guess the MVP keywords or the drinking keywords of the conference was definitely taxonomy uh, slash tracking. And um, what are the keywords? There was one more that kept coming up a lot and I can't think of it right now, but anyway. Um, so two of the session I attended that were my favorite was the Guide to Improving Diversity and Inclusion in Programmatic Advertising by Jellyfish, uh, Shannon Harris was the presenter and Six Pillars of In-Housing by Brian Chapp. So we'll go ahead and review those. So, um, all right. So if you are on podcast, you are not able to see the meme that I'm sharing. And But I would have to say that there is a curse word. So hopefully you don't have any little ones while you're watching this. If you do, I apologize. Do not repeat uh, what you're seeing here. But basically, it's a meme from 300 by 250. Uh, which is an Instagram account. And I also have a Twitter account. It's very funny. I recommend that you uh, follow them. And it shows a lady just holding herself down, <laughs> squinting and looking uh, ahead of her as if she was waiting on something, but she was tired. Um, so it's basically scanning the, it basically says scanning the placement name multiple times, trying to determine whether it's a blank desktop or mobile tag. Um, so that, that probably resumed the, that recapped so well, the taxonomy conversation. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, I mean, the podcast that taxonomy was big, the, like, there's a lot of conversation around measurement and about taking it down to the source and, um, John Halverston, I want to say his name correctly from Mondelez uh, talked about the marketer's first party data journey and he literally got down and dirty into the data period he shared an excel that they use um and they he mentioned how they had a taxonomy and they they worked with media monks to um to really standardize a lot of their processes internally to make sure that they're measuring everything. So for those who is, are not familiar with the word taxonomy or what it represents, I'm happy to walk you through if you if you need on a, maybe that would be a one-on-one. That, that's a, there's a lot going on when it comes to taxonomy. But he literally shared um, the taxonomy that they use. And he said that everybody that works with Montelis has to respect this taxonomy for many reasons and across many regions. And I appreciated that because 
as a trader or as a fellow, uh, a former ad ops, uh, heavily worked in trafficking and it is so important to have consistency and taxonomy allows us to have consistency in the way we measure performance measure our messages measure across the region so taxonomy is literally a strings of 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 uh a string of data stitching together that is appended on everything that moves like a placement and an ad a a creative and the taxonomy is basically the way they name each everything and um it allows to track easily so for instance a placement will have the first thing would have like the region so maybe the us underscore um display but maybe i'll have the word dis for display, for instance, just bear with me in terms of um, and so in terms of explanation here. And then I'll have like underscore the size, and then I'll have underscore the name of the creative, and then I'll have another underscore. Um, maybe it'll be a vendor ID. So let's say DB three sixty is three sixty. So that when somebody is pulling the report uh, a year from now or a couple of days from now, they'll be able to identify and based on the the same taxonomy they'll easily be able to say this is a display tag it ran 300 by 250 the creative was uh html5 uh lifestyle whatever and it ranged any rent in france in english because there's a language code so that's what the taxonomy allows companies and agency to do i wanted to break it down to you and if you're already familiar with a taxonomy great i hope you implement it and i hope you take it home and um is able to really uh, take it to the next level after hearing John speak. But for those who don't know, basically that's what taxonomy is. It takes a lot of time to implement a taxonomy. There's a certain uh, amount of investment that's involved, which includes um, the the tools, the platforms. Um, I've worked with agency that use MediaOcean as a uh, to make sure that they use their taxonomy. There's also other agencies that view CM360, believe it or not. Uh, they've had um, the taxonomy in um, in an Excel sheet, fill out and spit out the, the taxonomy and then just upload with the with the creative in, in CM360. So it, dif it differs from agency to agency, but that's basically what the whole conversation around taxonomy and what Mondelez uh, did her excellent job at um, mentioning how to best measure. So the short answer here is that they've implemented consistency and infrastructural process internally to make sure that everybody respects this taxonomy. And he said that he, they do not work with uh, a vendor that is not following their taxonomy. And that ha they even have an additional, I'm gonna say almost like a safety net or brand safety net for their company that allows them to verify if the tags or taxonomy was implemented correctly. And then they make sure that, I think he threw a percentage out there, but less than like 10% of their taxonomy has an error. And sometimes it was created because of um, a manual, uh, a manual onto what are the a free a free something a free uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it anyway. There's always a situation where you cannot um, standardize 
one thing out of your taxonomy. So there's always like a, a column where or cell where you can add something for free, like free, like manually type something. And that was where most of the error came from because that was the manual free uh, quote, I think it's called. Okay, so um, all right, let me get into that. So let's move on into other identity solution uh, conversation. So this is from, I'm sharing on the screen, a tweet from Ryan Bricklemeyer. Um, I love this. So is he's saying in his tweet, he's saying, is the biggest takeaway from programmatic IO that the changing identity world will make advertising more expensive with the needs for first party data and publishers understanding the value of their users, it seems like advertisers will need to pay more. Will they? So he asked this question and I love that question because yes, most of the, the presentation that we heard are all pretty much saying not the same thing. I'm not going to discredit them, but they are pulling some, uh, like some, um, some similarities in terms of, uh, what are the key takeaways from each presentation? And some of them are identity solutions still needs to be uh, considered as part of your strategy, um, including contextual targeting. A measurement is still a serious problem when it comes to, uh, you know, in reference to the taxonomy. And so just going back to the example of the taxonomy and what John said, they had to make some investment to, again, I mentioned into the tools, into the team. You have to have, I'm going to say data engineer, but also you have to grow your ad ops. Like the person that's uploading uh, creative into CM360 may understand the taxonomy process, but they cannot by themselves do both. You have to hire more resources, for instance. So I can understand why Ryan, my good friend, is saying here, um, it looks like it's going to cost for advertising. Yes, cookie deprecation is going to cost the industry to some level unless we are able to test right away. So I thought that was a pretty dope uh, tweet from my friend um, Rick. Um, the next tweet I want to chat is from Amanda Martin. And all of those tweets, if you're listening, it's actually on, uh, I probably retweeted it. So you can access it via my tweet or you can um, you can go straight to their tweets. And then I'll make sure in the show notes to tag everybody. And all week this week, I'll, I'll literally just post some of those uh, tweets that I'm talking about today. So the next tweet I want to highlight is from Amanda Martin. Her tweet is at Amanda E. Martin, and she says 28% of marketers step back from the identity challenge when Google delayed the time timeline, says Critio. Um, that was wrong. That was the wrong appro approach uh, from Megan Clotten, which is, which she was on the, pan on the panel. I can't remember which panel she was on. I'm looking at my, uh, anyway. So, and then she adds that she couldn't agree more. Marketers need to be part of the solution. Yes, we need to be part of the solution. Like, um, I believe it was Dr. Oh, from, I, I apologize. Uh, his name is, is uh, leaving my, my brain right now. But it was uh, the presentation with App and Web and uh, Credo and Megan Clarton. So that was the same panel that she's referring to. And he literally said, we will probably have to test between 10 to 20 identity solution partners and vendors before coming across one or two that will work. So we have to test. So there is an, again, going back to things becoming a little bit more costly, you'll have to test, you'll have to test. 
So next thing we are going to talk about is, let's see. Oh, um, I love this quote from Lauren Fisher. She is, uh, she had a presentation from the advertiser perception. And she said that advertisers like to talk a big game. But when we look at the first party data path forward, um, it isn't that obvious. Like only one in 10 consider their first party data strategy very mature. So there is a lot of a conversation about how contextual targeting is going to replace cookie deprecation. I mean, third party cookie targeting, how, um, what else? How uh, first party data is going to be utilized more. First of all, first party data should start being utilized now. Um, but her point in saying so is that some advertiser talk big game, but the reality is that their first party data isn't there, or at least isn't strong enough. She used the word mature. Um, so I, I, I think I'm going to agree with her. I think uh, first party data is still in for some advertisers and some brands, it's just not, it's just not doable. Some of them are very niche B2B, some are smaller to medium size uh, brands. So of course they probably won't get the million impression a month as some of those identity solution partners are requiring. So, um, so yeah, it is still a big, big problem. 69% of marketers have not implemented identity solution yet, meaning that it was 2021 when they did the research, I believe it was September, I think. Yeah, I think it was in September that they did the research. If I'm wrong, uh, Lauren, Miss Lauren Fisher or advertiser perception, please feel free to leave a comment and, and of course, uh, state the fact <laughs> because we're here to learn. We want to make sure we're learning. The point is they did a really recent, um, they did a very recent research and they found out that 69% of us still have not implemented identity solution. Yikes. That is super, super scary y'all. Um, I want to move on to this this tweet that I did that created sparked quite a conversation on my in my Twitter. Uh, shout out to Shiv Gupta there for for asking the question. So my tweet said, "There's a clear hierarchy when considering targeting and measurement alter alternatives. Reality may be they may not have enough first party data, and we're still talking about Lauren Fisher from Advertiser Perception uh, session. And just to give you a close up." Um, again, if you're listening to the audio, imagine a pyramid divided horizontally uh, in four, and the top has contextual and cohort base. The second um, is third-party identity resolution solutions. Third um, divided segment of the pyramid uh, going from top to bottom says others first-party data, second-party data, and then the bottom, which has the, the, the bottom of the pyramid, and of course, if you see a pyramid, you know that the, the bottom is larger than the top, it says first party data. In this situation, Lauren said that um, it could be flipped upside down. So first party data may have the smaller share and contextual targeting may have the larger share. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, another tweet from Amanda Martin saying, identity will fundamentally change the way we do business. 
bringing the buy side and the sell side together to collaborate and cooperate. Um, I am going to agree with this. I think a lot of the conversation that happened during the, uh, the conference um, was around collaboration, collaborating between the sell side and the buy side. In a few moments, we're going to talk about CTV. Um, and there was a lot of talk about needing more collaboration between partners, more transparency in how they collaborated between their partners, um, between uh, certain brands. So collaboration was a big thing. And I think that is part of our solution when it comes to identity so solution. Like we're going to have to talk to the supply side and figure out what's going on. We're going to have to go direct in some of those partnerships. Um, all right, so let's move on here. <laughs> Throughout the throughout the 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 conference, I I gave my own awards and I called them the million dollar questions. And so there were million dollar questions that I felt like, wow, that was such a powerful thing to ask. One, I would have never asked that question, um, but like everybody wants to know. So one of the million dollar question is that what else can we do? And this is basically from a taken from a slide from Angelina Ange from the IAB where she covered a lot on measurement. And she said, what can we do? Collaborate, test, and share. You have to share your findings. You have to be able to say, hey, we tested this and it's working. It's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit your partners and the vendors that you're working with. It's also going to benefit the rest of the industry because everybody can win, okay? Like y'all think there's a competition out there. Who, who are you competing against except your own selves? Okay, so let's see, let's see. Mm. I'm gonna interrupt this quick. Uh, <laughs> if you are on YouTube, that is my daughter. This is a type of text messages I was re receiving from my husband um, while I was trying to focus. My daughter just wearing, um, I guess those were filters. So I thought I was really cute. So I wanted to share with y'all. You're welcome. There you go. So let's talk CTV. So basically, if you have to recap um, identity solution, which I think I've went on a lot on, it would be test, test, test. Um, test some more, test again, and then test, test some more. And then once you're done testing, retest and then share with the rest of the industry. So it's pretty simple. You got to test. You got to be willing to make that investment. You got to be willing to make the investment internally and externally. Internally, meaning going back to the taxonomy and measurement conversation I mentioned at the beginning of the, the podcast, you got to make certain level of uh, commitment into finding that solution for your clients and for your agency, because you will stand out you're going to stand out because you made this investment now while you're still able to have third-party cookies. So make the investment, implement certain level of, um, excuse me, implement certain level of uh, <clears throat> training into your team, um, partner with uh, ad tech, partner with, um, partner with people that can help you y'all. Okay. So let's talk really quickly about CTV and then we'll highlight really quickly contextual and the two sessions that I wanted to end with. Um, CTV was, was I think, the best presentation on CTV. Um, and I don't know, there were so many great ones. I want to give a shout out to a former podcast um, 
podcast guest, um, Catherine Dale from SpotX and Magnite. On the video right now, I'm sharing a picture I took of Chris Gain from Juice Media, Jones Media, sorry. And his, um, his presentation on CTV was phenomenal because it just pretty much highlighted what I, it just, it just gave me a different type of perspective on CTV. Like I knew I, I, I thought I knew CTV for real. And then he told me that, yes, you do, but here's what you didn't maybe know. So that was really cool that he highlighted a different perspective of CTV, which was like, um, so one of the tweets I have on, on screen right now for me was multi-channel apps are the features of CTV, but there's a lot of work still to do. What he meant by that is the fact that even though CTV and streaming require a lot of like, um, technology, like advanced technology in our industry, it is still sold the traditional way, like from a direct standpoint. Um, I can't find a tweet that I, I did, but in that tweet, I mentioned how, oh, 70% here it is, 70% of CTV is still sold direct. The marketplace has updated technology, but operating traditionally. So, um, oh, that's not from Chris Kane. I'm so sorry. Let me make sure I, I uh, <laughs> credit people here. This is from Ari Paparo, but it's still part of the CTV conversation and it's still part, and I think it complemented really well what Chris's uh, session was about in terms of highlighting supply side. How are this, how is CTV distribution happening and, um, and more. So that, that was pretty cool in order, like it was two different presentations, but it really complemented each other. Um, even though that was part of a small percentage of what Ari Papara talked, Chris really honed in of uh, explaining, which is something again, that I wasn't quite sure about how distributors of streaming TV, such as like, for instance, Roku, um, uh, th those apps that where you can add access multiple apps um, were the future of CTV. And it really made me think about how third-party cookies is operating right now and how whenever that became really sexy to the industry, uh, data providers and data management platforms shot up. I don't know if y'all remember, but when third-party cookies were was a thing, like when it became a thing in programmatic media, like all of a sudden there was all those data providers coming around. Um, LiveRamp started con contacting uh, the agency that I was working at at that time. So it just reminded me a little bit of that. But I want to highlight, and before we move to the next conversation, what Chris really, really made sure to mention is that some distributors might be resellers as well as well to so let's make sure to ask the right question to follow the uh, the inventory to make sure that we're not paying somebody that is paying somebody to give them the inventory or paying somebody to pay somebody to pay somebody to get the inventory so make sure that you follow back your inventory that is why again i mentioned this and this is not like you already know I'm all about edu education and self-development, and that's what I do in my day-to-day -day work. However, it's all about training your team to look for the right, to look for the, the right things and ask the right question when talking to partners. If they see that an inventory source is, is maybe looking 
you know, a little bit higher expensive or just very low and not performing or is performing, but we're not sure. So then that's when you add brand safety filters. That's when you reach out to method media uh, intelligence to, to have them uh, screen post bid. Um, and they're really big on post bid brand safety. And so he really broke it down and left us with like, what kind of question do you want to ask um, your partners? And on the other side, when you're on the publisher side, what kind of question you want to ask to the advertisers? So that was really cool. Uh, so we already reviewed this. Oh, um, I don't think we'll have time to talk about Stack Adapt, but Stack Adapt did a phenomenal, like it was so bomb. I wish I had like those little sounds <laughs> to like clap because it was really, really such a great uh, conversation. So just the title like made me sit down and I'm sharing on the screen, putting cookie less targeting into context with Stack Adapt um, at the Programmatic IO conference. And, and I basically just, <laughs> just posted a meme of somebody just sitting down. Stack Adapt did a phenomenal job and they compared their contextual AI model, AI contextual model. Um, and I love stats. Um, if you work in this industry, you know, you love, you love stats, you love case studies and they shared case studies from different of their clients, from different industries. And in every single stats or graph that they shared, they mentioned how their contextual AI model, outperform retargeting. So that was really cool. Um, let's end the conversation with my two favorite. And of course I left, I left the last one for, for now. Uh, okay. So I just put a tweet on, on the screen right here from, again, going back to Lauren Fisher, I think it's important to, to share this, even though we're moving on to another subject, but she asked how to put together a holistic strategy to allow advertisers to truly measure the effect of cookie deprecation. First party data isn't enough. So going back to what we were saying, um, I am trying to look for a presentation. I mean, a tweet from my good friend, Gavin Dunaway from Media Trust, I believe. I'm sorry, Gavin if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly, but what, okay, here it is. Oh, okay. Okay. Here it is. So, um, so there was a lot of sessions. I am just highlighting the one that stood out based on what I was looking to learn, but there was a lot of panels and there was, a. Uh, a lot of fireside chat, like a one-on-one -on -one panel with uh, one of the hosts. Um, there was Roku interviews. Um, and then there was a uh, free will, Dave Clark. I thought he's, his interview was outstanding. It was very fascinating to hear from a different perspective. Free will is the bomb.com. And so Gavin asked, is panel based, based with, I think it's a misspell. Okay. Is panel based measurement toast? Free will betting on census measurement data in, at the impression level. Panel is important to understand to understanding composition of data sets and viewers. If we do not need a panel, wait, if we do need a panel, sorry, what should it look like? And then he adds on, um, I think he was responding to a, uh, no, he, he adds video amps big 
fundraising round raised eyebrows. CTV market valuation is super frothy, but they're serious and building their tech for a long time. He's agree. I agree. He says he's agreeing. They're, they have an interesting approach to measurement and should probably make crippled Nielsen nervous. <laughs> um, and then he had, how bad is ad fraud in CTV? Oh, yeah, that was uh, Sarah Schluth. Man, shout out to Sarah Schluth, uh, Alison, Alison Schiff, and James Hersher. They did a great job. Like, y'all rock. They, If you don't know who they are, hopefully you do now because you've attending the conference. But if you haven't done so, I strongly recommend their podcast. There's a big talk of Ad Exchanger, and then there's uh, the other one that I always listen to, and I'm ashamed that I can't remember the name of it. But there's two podcasts. If you search the word Ad Exchanger podcast, you'll be able to come across both. I mean, shout out to our host for asking the million-dollar question. Like, really? Like they asked question and I was like, wow, that was, that was bold, but I loved every second of it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so shout out to them. So I think that was Sarah asking Dave Clark from free will, how bad is ad fraud in CTV? And then he said, oh boy, this is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I believe that's what this tweet is about. So I wanted to share this. Um, this tweet from Gavin, because I think it gave us a different perspective in terms of measurement for ad uh, from a CTV perspective. And at the same time, like I did not follow the panel based measurement conversation being sitting down in that room. I did not follow. So maybe we'll have Gavin come on so he can demystify some of this conversation. And I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed of admitting that it went over my head at that point. I am one smart B lady, but um, yeah, that conversation caught me not in my best brain moment. So, um, so let's finish up this podcast with a shout out to Shannon Harris from Jellyfish. Um, her session was called A Guide to Improving Diversity and Inclusion in Programmatic Advertising. And y'all, 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 before I get to the tweet, y'all, Shannon just, she just, she did her thing, okay? She came up, she said, before I get, I'm getting, getting to it, here she is, that's her, Shannon, uh, on the, on the screen right now. She went on and she started talking about, she really laid down, like, why diversity and inclusion is such a challenge challenge. And I am so proud of the presentation because she said like when I when she came to the conference, the first thing she did was look around and she didn't see a lot of people that looked like her. And so she said, look around. How many, how can you can you identify anybody that looks different from you? And so I looked around and sure enough, I was the only black girl uh in that in the room. And then I remember there were a couple couple people from uh, I'm gonna say Asian and then if you were in the room and then you're you're I guess non-white or minority based I'm sorry if I missed you I just quickly looked because you know you had to quickly look because uh, they want to be called out but I thought it was really dope that she had that conversation in terms of diversity and I applaud every single person that attended that comp that um that attended that session because it was just 
it was really nice to be able to understand a different perspective. And even myself, I realized like, and I, and I told her at the end of the presentation that I realized that I didn't even have enough diversity and inclusion conversation in the, the decks that I use to present uh, as a media, as a programmatic media coach, or when I'm training a team, obviously I'm sharing some sources, but um, some, some resources, I mean, so it's, it's, it, it put, I put myself accountable for maybe not doing enough. And I know that I can. So um, it was, it was an excellent, it was an excellent session. I really, I really liked it. Um, again, not because, because of the topic, because of how uncomfortable it made me, because I realized that I was not doing enough. And also there's a lot of great information. And just so y'all know, something that stood out to me and I had no idea, she said that jellyfish, jellyfish, jelly, jellyfish, they said, she said that they don't work. They required all vendors to bring a certain level of diversity in their team to to do business with, with them, with jellyfish. And she said um, that they will send back an RFP. They will not allow a, a, a team full of, a media team full of maybe young white men to show up to the presentation or to work with, with them because it just doesn't represent their... Um, their clients. So they're really big on implementing certain suits. And it goes back to everything almost that we were talking about. And just highlighting to the taxonomy conversation, implementing certain level of consistency and requiring from your partners to implement and respect what you implemented, period, point blank. That's all. You have to require them. And I'm not comparing diversity and inclusion with taxonomy, of course, but I'm just saying like sometimes it's that simple. You have to require from your vendors a certain level of values. Like if there's something you're believing it and you don't agree with, why would you accept it from your, your vendors? And then she went on and asking really questions that made my brain work a little bit uh, for myself, looking at myself. She said like, when you look at your calendar, does it look like you're going to talk to people like you, people that have different backgrounds? What does it look like? Hmm. I was like, wow, that is powerful. She also asked, um, uh, somebody asked her, why, why do you think there's a great, uh, the great resignation? Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Let me see. Oh, there it is. Sorry, I was thirsty. All right. So, so, okay, somebody asked something about like, why do you think there's a great resignation and um, recruiters are struggling to find talent and whatnot. And this is what she said, Shannon Harris from Jellyfish. It's not so much the great resignation, but the great realization. It's not only about income anymore. It's about cultures. It's about flexibility. It's about development, etc. Let me just repeat this. So Shannon Harris answered the question saying, it's not so much about the great, the great resignation, but the great realization. And she went on explaining why. Because now talent, employees, team members are realizing their worth. Why would they keep working, making someone else rich when that somebody is not even taking care of them? So she said the pandemic just highlighted a lot of things and put things into perspective from an employee standpoint. 
and now they they've moved on they're moving on they're focusing on their side hustle they've shifted in the industry from a different industry um some people have even left completely the whole industry you know instead of going from agency to brands or publisher or ad tech they just left the industry they went on to doing something else that may be of interest because they've realized that why am I doing all this? And this this company can't even allow me to work from home and is a requirement requiring me to uh, get back into the office. I don't know. This is just an example. So I love I love that conversation. I thought it was really, really dope. Um, so so Shannon, thank you so much for putting things into perspective for me. I would I would most I would most definitely take it back with me and um and implement that. So stay tuned. I will have Shannon on the podcast. I'm speaking into existing. It's thrown out there into the world. So it will happen now. Um, but I had to talk to her and she said she was interested into joining the podcast to talk about this topic a little bit more. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll work on, on bringing more on diversity and inclusion conversation. And if you're interested, uh, reach out to me or reach out to her. Uh, Shannon Harris, I'll make sure to have everyone that I've mentioned, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and whatever I mentioned, I can share information because this is all about highlighting others and others a success. So I will end by say by um, talking about Brian Chap um, from the Tech Recipes. So he oh he his session excuse me <coughs> his session was called Six Pillars of In Housing. So I was like, what? Let me find out. So I went ahead and went. I went over to that session. I was like, let me find out because my clients are mainly, right, well, right now it's, it's agencies. Agencies are calling me to help them. So I'll have a client that I'm working with to train more programmatic traders. I have another client that is just reaching out to me to train their recruiters how to maybe uh, screen for uh, programmatic media traders, SEM, and paid social folks. Um, so I'm training them on fundamentals and what to look, the secret, secret sauce when it comes to programmatic media traders and, and add-ups and whatnot. Another one, I'm doing a little bit of both. I'm providing because I have an arsenal of buyers thanks to Digital X Media. <laughs> They're all contracted, but thanks, uh, shout out to you, Digital X Media, for always coming through. And so I have another client where I'm doing both media activation while training somebody. So I'm providing the support that they need because they just lost their programmatic media lead. Um, and so, and they can't hire right now where they're not finding anybody. So I come in, I help them. I provide the buyer that's going to help with the day-to-day. And I work on a one-on-one basis with uh, the strategist that's going to take over that role or I serve as a liaison between the, the ad tech, the DSP support, and then the team, because sometimes you really, really just need somebody to help you like read through things and reassure you that this is what they're saying, um, et cetera. So that's what I do. So when I looked at six pillars of in-housing, I was like, well, it makes sense why brands are, are going in-house, right? So Brian, your presentation was excellent uh, because it really, really honed in on, man, it was, it was really good. So 
part of what he was basically saying is that um, his goal to to doing this presentation is not for the brands to think they can just oh let's replace the agency is it's just not that simple you need to have an agency partner to help you transition and transition like a success, successful successful in-house model can take two to three years to implement successfully and that's only for one department if you have to like let's say if you only for programmatic if you had to add search and social and everything else that might take even longer so realistically you're going to need the agency to help you to hold your hand through the transition so here are the six pillars education staffing i think this is communication governance oh uh, sorry the picture is not very clear there's finance and billing there <laughs> okay so let me look on my phone guys so i can tell you exactly what it is um, but bryant is um his company is called the tech recipe and i mean it was it was really great <clears throat> It was really great because it gave uh, a true perspective and i'm not and i'm not saying like oh well since you're working with agency you don't want things to be brought bring up no bring your programmatic in-house if you can do the investment i think it'll give you a little bit more control it'll definitely give you um the transparency that you need but just like what mr chap said you will need uh support and an agency partnership is so key so let me see, let me see, let me see. Mm, all right, well, I apologize. I can't pull, for some reason it's still really blurry on my phone. Okay, let me try one last thing because guess what? I ain't a quitter and I'm determined to share with you what he said. And if you're working for an agency, you're like, oh, this is not relevant for me. Let me just hang up. Don't hang up. Trust me. You don't want to miss this. All right. So here are the six pillars of a successful in-house model. So the first one is education, uh, launch a digital transformation training blueprint. So again, talk to me about doing this. I do this all the time. I have template. I did the hard work for you. Staffing, or if not, at least if not me, that's fine. But make sure you partner with a uh, maybe if you're you're looking at a DSP, you make sure you that DSP you pay them, maybe additionally or whatever it is to provide the type of support that you're going to need in addition to them helping them transition or run the campaign for you. So six pillars: education, staffing, hiring needs, integrate hiring toolkits and best practices. Com communication governance is the third pillar, and it's basically about brand partnership with internal digital leads single point of contact. Um, so you'll need a programmatic media lead. You'll need uh, a data analyst. You'll need a trader. You'll need like uh, an account executive, et cetera. Um, the fourth pillar is technology foundation. You cannot run in-house unless you have reliable technology. You have to make that investment, okay? Um, ways of working, st stakeholder alignment, utilize accountability standard and marketing artifacts. And then the last is finance and billing, um, custom financial models used to prevent risk. So Brian helps all of his clients implement all six pillars 
and he he is very good in terms of like expectation communication because he basically says uh, he basically said that it takes it takes some time it can be done in one one month um, unless unless you have that budget um, even so you still need somebody like Ryan or somebody like me afterwards to continue educating um, so it takes time so I think the best thing that resonated with me was when he said education drives adoption y'all. You're going to be tired of me saying this, but I'm going to repeat this all the time now. Education drives adoption. Yes, it does. The more you know, the more you realize, the more you're empowered, the happier you are, period. So if he talked about education of, of stakeholders, you know, alignment and skill set, upskill, train the trainer, uh, transition leadership, brand cascade, internal ownership, and tech academy. Again, tactical education. This is where I'm coming to. Um, into play. Uh, the staffing needs uh, were, were, as I mentioned earlier, and then I love the fact that he gave like, um, this is what we recommend having in terms of staffing. Obviously, if you are a, a, a mature brand, <laughs> meaning you've been in, you've been in the business for some times, you've gathered enough and mature first party data um obviously you you have a certain level of yearly budget you might need a little bit more to staff you might need two or three traders on staff instead of one um as he recommended versus if you're a smaller brand and i, and I don't like to use the word small or big because every every brands are big in their own way and in their own mission um but with the the financial investment that is needed initially or with uh the financial investment that's needed with uh what comes with programmatic in-housing then you might have to recalibrate some of the things um so yeah so <clears throat> staffing like strategy programmatic lead a measurement lead um he called it a measurement lead and he had a, a, a lot of people ask question about it but it's, it's somebody uh, that will handle reporting and tagging audience science lead and that will be your trader and your automation expert oh i guess the automation expert could be the tagging person as well and um and or the data visualization engineer so if you're working with like a datarama or a demo even a gds honestly google dashboard you need somebody that has the time and the skill set to build the dashboard. And unfortunately, it's not like, oh, we build it once and it's good. No, most likely there's always something that you're going to have to look into once um, they're working for you. So Brian did a really, really cool thing. Yeah, he talked about, he talked about technology must-dos, how you can get started today. Um, there's four steps to starting today, discovering, second step is infrastructure, Third step is staffing and fourth step is ownership, maximize ROI and in-house trading team. Uh, I mean, his presentation was the bomb.com, y'all. This is great. His name is Brian Chap. Again, I will have every single one that I mentioned in the show notes that I am going to write myself and I am going to take some time to reach out to every single one of you to have you on the podcast to give me your two cents. Um, now I do want to end this podcast by saying programmatic IO was not, was a great investment. Um, 
not only did I learn a lot about, again, topics of conversation and discussion, but I got to be make uh, good friends. I want to give a shout out to F.A., who is uh, a consultant, um, programmatic market or marketing consultant at Zeta. Thank you, Zeta Global, <laughs> who I remember. Shout out to you, Amanda Rankin, um, who will be a panelist on the contextual targeting next week. We're doing a live podcast. So tune in for that. Um, check more information on the website and on LinkedIn. Um, shout out to Catherine Dell. Even though I didn't get to see you, it was so nice knowing that you rocked the presentation. I mean, Catherine is amazing. Kat is just amazing. And then Matt Barash um, for, again, his podcast. I actually happened to be live that Tuesday, and I got to meet him on Tuesday. So it was really nice. The last shout out I'm going to do is um, Karel Cooper from the Minority Report and from Live in 10. Shout out to you, Karel. Thank you so much for your guidance and your support. It was really dope being able to you know chat for five five, six minutes and uh, for an introduction to Angelina E. Angelina Ange, sorry, from the IAB. I literally had told him, oh yeah, I just came out of Ange, Angelina's uh, presentation. It was dope. I, you know, I'm, I've been looking forward to meeting her. <laughs> I've been following her on all of her social media. I can't wait to have her on a podcast. I have so many questions and she walks by and he introduced me. So shout out to you. You are the real MVP for doing that. And um, you're an inspiration. All of you that I've talked to, you're an inspiration. Shout out to um, Statista. I apologize. I do not remember your name, um, but all of you have my information. Save it into your phone and text me or call me. That is why I shared my information thanks to the dot. And so Statista was there and I mentioned to them that most of the graphs that I refer to are from e-marketers and it's nice to know that there's another source that we can also refer to. And so I'll be reaching out to them uh, soon. Central, uh, I'm sorry, Basis Technology was in the house. That was really dope to be able to meet a few of them. L'Oreal was also in the house. I saw IOTA, Captify, um, obviously Mike Knight and SpotX were there. Um, I talked to, oh man, I talked to so many people. So I, I truly apologize if I, I didn't mention you, but um, you you are truly appreciated. Let's end with a word of wisdom. Um, make time for yourself. I came home. I wanted to dive right back in and ended up getting sick. <laughs> that is why I'm recording this podcast at the last minute. Um, but I don't, I don't regret it. Um, I cannot not hug my baby who had a cold, but no worries, y'all. It was just a cold. Okay. You hear me? It's just a cold. So, um, so thank you all for tuning in again. My name is Ellen Parker. I am the host of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I am also the host of a live series a show called The Programmatically Correct that is mostly geared towards digital marketers who wants to wants help understanding the programmatic um, industry. So during The Programmatically Correct show, we demystify our industry by highlighting some fundamentals and key points about our industry, like different strategies, what are targeting capabilities, etc. So um, as mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and throughout that we are going to have three live panels in November, the next week. 
on the 8th, where is, I don't have a, uh, yeah, on the 8th, we'll have a live panel contextual on contextual targeting. On the 15th, we'll have e-commerce holiday with two of my very close friends who are badasses in Facebook, uh, paid social and paid media strategy. And then on the third week, which happened to be Thanksgiving week, it is uh, the Women in Programmatic, which is an international club based in the UK or headquartered rather in the UK. And we will be talking all things women in programmatic, work-life balance, projection from the industry and international perspective. Um, and then um, the last podcast will be just a review with me again. You get to have me again. Yay! And in December, we have even more exciting things happening. Um, so so thank you all for tuning in. Um, this, this podcast is going to be rather long, but I think it's all worth it. You can't expect to resume or recap or summarize. Two whole days are bomb information into less than an hour. So, um, so I have no regrets with this one and I will not cut anything else. Like I'm literally going to publish it this way. So reach out to me info at Helen, Helene Parker.com programmatic jess.com. And, uh, don't forget that we're still accepting, um, new members in the programmatic meetup. The programmatic meetup is a community we are building under the podcast umbrella to build a community of ad-ops or programmatic traders, media buyers, um, anybody um, that touches the campaign or work really closely on performance and KPI performance. And it's just a community for us to talk shop, period. Like we have themes every month. We have a challenge that we're doing, shout out to the programmatic meetup. Uh, we're doing a challenge where we are reading one article every day and writing on LinkedIn what we've learned. It doesn't have to be very long, y'all. I'm literally saying, even if it's just a quote that you want to copy paste, at least you'll be able to remove that quote. So thank you all. Make it a great day. You're the bomb. I, I don't know what else to say. I love you guys. <laughs> all right. Have a good one, guys. Bye.